ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجا بثا منه رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد today brothers and sisters this khutbah be on a very important topic which is on our rizq and it's so important for us to understand our rizq to step outside the rat race that is going on around us how to get out of this illusion that everyone is in people chasing more and more wealth and status especially in these last days of Ramadan inshallah we should chase something completely different which is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we need the correct understanding of our rizq and firstly the first thing that we should understand it our rizq is from Allah the first thing the second thing is that it's fixed it cannot change it won't increase by an atom Allah has set it and the last thing is that the value our rizq should place in our lives and i thought the best way to actually understand this topic that resonated with me was from the parable that was given earlier this week from surah khaf ayahs 32 which for uh, the two men and the two gardens and the blessings of surah khaf on friday whoever reads surah al khaf on the day of jumaa will have a light that will shine from him narrated in the hadith from one friday to the next narrated by al hakim and i cannot help but draw the resemblance that we inshallah the light from this ramadan can continue from this ramadan to the next so to summarize the parable a man was given two beautiful gardens with a stream flowing in between with a fruit that all is yielded maximum quality and uh, quality and quantity so he thought he had it all and he was arrogant and he thought he was greater because of this and he was thinking if i was if i got this in the dunya then of course allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves me so much and in the hereafter i'll get much more and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually disgraces him and says zulm la nafsi he wronged himself by doing this and his noble companion refuted him and said spoke out against this and said everything is from Allah and i will not set up partners with my lord and my lord will give may give me something better than your garden and like that his garden was actually destroyed as the companion had warned him so what can we draw from this fundamentally this man had a misunderstanding of his rizq he attributed it to himself and this led to shirk a sin that we should all be terrified of it's one that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forgive and notice how he wasn't sitting there worshiping idols he was just revering man and this was a form of shirk that we should all be afraid of that is the form of shirk that i would say is most prominent today so this concept of rizq for us is what the noble companion is trying to teach the arrogant man and that livelihood is from Allah and indeed Allah is our razak the all provider the sustainer and al malik the all owner of power and it says in the quran in surah al anam 
ayah number 151. We provide for you. We as in Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides us. And in the West and around us, we see that a completely different contradictory concept prevails. And this is that your effort equals results. And like an equation, the work we put in is the work we get out. And this is not true. Like imagine if you work 29 days in a company, and on the 30th day, the company went bust. This is an example. You wouldn't get paid for that whole month. The company got bust. Let's say you didn't get your paycheck. You worked 29 days, but you didn't get paid. And this is what this is what we should understand. That rizq comes from Allah, and there's another force. This is the other force that actually provides everything, ultimately. And we see what this leads to around us. People who believe that their results, it's all the results of their actions are solely by them, it leads to a people that will hustle, steal, and seek all means necessary to put in the effort and all material to achieve their rizq. And do we not see this in, in the world around us today? They can put as many police, yeah, uh, our country can put as many police on the street, they can ban guns, but as long as this idea is pushed by a society that we are in control of everything, theft will be rampant and people will use whatever they can just to stab people, just for a few pounds, or they'll find whatever they can, they'll throw acid in people's faces just for pennies. And for those who don't resort to such crime, many people won't resort to this crime. It can even lead to them being in depression and anxiety as they believe that their efforts have not led to the results that society has promised them. And this is contrary to how we believe that Allah is the sole provider. And this doesn't mean that we don't work. Our duty is to work. Not, not just make dua, we make dua and work. But we do this as a form of worship and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to seek the rizq that he has set for us. And what does this build? This builds a strong personality that believes rizq min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala detached from the dunya in the world, meaning that they don't let the world all consuming everything, just working for a better job or a better house or working for a first to show off for status. One who has no fear that his rizq won't come and a personality that is not consumed by the dunya. One who seeks greater reward in Jannah, fasting, praying and many actions that we do which don't actually lead to material results. But we do them solely just for the sake of Allah. And one who still works hard for his rizq and does hard work looking for his rizq, but he does not believe that his rizq is solely from his actions. One who does not disobey Allah, cheat or steal in order to gain sustenance. Because if you did that, you'd be stealing from your own rizq. If you were to take, an in, if you were to take interest in your bank account, do you think you're going to increase your rizq? No. What we'd actually do by doing that is be stealing from ourselves, stealing from our own rizq. Or even if we were not to pay up the debt that we had, that would still not increase your rizq. Your rizq is fixed. So our rizq is from him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And no one can stop it. So we work in obedience to Allah, striving for it. Not obsessed to the extent that we abandon our duties. Missing prayers for tutorials or lessons or work in fear that we will lose our rizq. Or abandoning any fraud for a worldly benefit. Because this is flawed and shallow thinking, and it has no Islamic basis. We should not become deluded and fall into this get-rich-quick mentality that we see around us, saying we have no time to pray, no time to read Quran, no time to study Islam, no time to study the world around us, because we're too busy seeking our rizq. Yes, we spend time seeking our rizq, but what about all the other responsibilities we have? And the truth is, we'll only get busier. We'll get busier and busier, but we need to make the time for Islam. And that's what our purpose is. 
And we shouldn't try fit Islam into our lives, but rather Islam should dictate our lives. Brother Hassan, in the first week of Ramadan, gave a very profound analogy in his khutbah that if in if on uh, the last ten nights of Ramadan everyone was given hundred k, I think it was one k, hundred k, you'd see this room packed out, packed out. And that's because some people have misunderstanding of rizq. We understand why this happens, but in reality, even if we came, if people came then, that would still not increase their rizq. It's fixed. And do we not know that in these last ten nights, in these last ten days of Ramadan, that the rewards we can get is incomparable. Our mind should literally go crazy the amount of reward, inshallah, we can get. And just thinking about this should actually make us like, not do anything else, but still we seek our rizq and whatnot because that's our responsibility as well to feed our families and whatnot. And on the other hand, we should also be wary of the severity of the punishment if we do not fulfill our responsibilities. And the pursuit of wealth by individuals by all means necessary and not understanding the concept of rizq, on the other hand, in contrast to what rizq, uh, correct understanding achieves, leads to such poverty in the world around us. When the society neglects its obligations to distribute wealth, as it sees everyone, just as individuals, responsible for your own selves. And we see hundreds of homeless people in Oxford. On a world stage, nearly half of the world's population, more than 3 billion, live on less than 250 dollars. £2.52.50 a day. More than 1.3 billion live on extreme poverty, less than $1.25 a day. 1 billion children worldwide are living in poverty, and this is all according to UNICEF. 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. And this is not because of a lack of resources. Many reports show that there is enough food and resources to go around. And Islam tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided enough for us. But it's because of this selfishness, this misunderstanding of our rizq, that results in ideas and systems that refuse to distribute wealth and focus on hoarding. And this is the evil and the dhulam that the parable is attacking. And if we understand our rizq correctly, we would not place massive amounts of value upon our wealth. But we would know, actually, even if we wanted to seek a lot of wealth, which we should, which is fine, there's nothing wrong with that, I can't say there's anything wrong with that, but it's actually a burden and one which will be accounted for. And it says in a hadith, Abu Huraira reported, the messenger of Allah, peace and blessings upon him, said, Verily, Allah does not look at your appearance or wealth, but rather He looks at your hearts and actions. And Allah will look to our hearts and actions. He will look to our wealth and what we did. What we did when our rizq was literally handed to us on a plate, but still we are striving for more and more. Still, to get a first, get a high, uh, maybe get an attractive wife, uh, uh, get a high paying job, and then a promotion, then a house, then a car, then a better car, Kid, then you want kids, then you want to raise kids, and they have to get the best, the, the best grades, then they have to get a first. I mean, come on, we should be happy, we should strive for these things, but whatever we get, we should be happy with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides, and work for that, and not neglect, at this, whilst doing this, neglect our brothers and sisters, who are starving and dying from the corrupt systems. Why are we silent when Tesco is literally throwing tons of food in the bin, mostly exported from the same countries where people are, are dying from malnutrition, where members of our ummah don't have food to open their fast? And think about it. If I went to your little brother and took his food, would you remain silent? And we should actually make istighfar 
every second for not doing more to help them as our responsibility. And we need to elevate our thinking on what is going on around us. You know, Prophet Muhammad, uh, Brother Muhammad Mekki gave a very interesting uh, khutbah, uh, I think it was the first week of Ramadan, uh, second week of Ramadan, a few weeks ago. And he said that if, the, if zakah, if just the assets, the wealth of the Muslim nations gave zakah, it would amount to 50 billion and we could solve global poverty. And we need to ask, why isn't this zakah being collected and distributed by an authority? At the time of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu zakah was collected in a hadith and there were similar narrations by Ibn Abi Shayba and his, uh, and his, in his Musanaf and by Imam Nuriyani and are deemed acceptable. So it says, Imam Tawri narrated from Muslim bin Yasir that the Prophet said, the collection of the zakah, implementation of hadood, distribution of the spoils and the organizing of the Jum'ah are for the Sultan, i.e. the ruler. And this is just one of the numerous ways that Islam practically solves poverty and directs wealth from the rich to the poor, which it did, it did for a thousand years of Islamic civilization. But instead, we see today, Islam is constantly being attacked with propaganda, despite it being the light. And this is what this man in this parable spoke out against, the rich man. And we need to speak out against it and actually learn the Islamic solutions to the problem around us. If we do not strive for the revival of Islam, Allah will replace us with a generation that will. We need to exhaust all our efforts and all our skills to help the ones suffering by learning our deen that has solutions to the world's problems. Else, we would be the criminals. Imagine if we had access to a medicine and there were people sick and we did not strive to get access to it. What would that make us? And we need to wake up every day, sleep every night thinking about this one billion children in poverty, about the state of the world around us. And we shouldn't just think that it's just for the ulama or it's not for us. We, each and every one of us, are members of this ummah and we have responsibility. We have access to the Quran and the Sunnah. We have the responsibility to learn and strive and show Islam as an alternative way of life. We should strive to become the next ulama, the ones who revive this deen, establish Islam back upon this earth to cure it of its current devastation. The reward for this is unimaginable and there is no work more noble. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulullah. We are entering the end of Ramadan with around a week left, and we need to make this a final sprint. And not literally, as we see, not literally, but in the sense that we really maximize and capitalize on these blessed days that will make the difference so that, inshallah, these final days of Ramadan will give us enough momentum to carry us to next Ramadan. And paraphrasing because of the time, I guess. Uh, in a hadith, Abu Huraira reported that Prophet ﷺ ascended the pulpit and he said, Ameen, Ameen, Ameen. And one of these Ameens was when Jabril said to Muhammad ﷺ, whoever attains the month of Ramadan and is not forgiven will enter hell and be distanced from God. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ameen, Sahih ibn Hiban. And if we cannot maximize this month, there would actually be no hope for us the dua of Prophet Muhammad would be against us. And subhanAllah, the seriousness, the seriousness of this, an absolute catastrophe. Imagine walking into like your final exam and ripping up your paper. Even this is incomparable to this. And to summarize the khutbah, 
Our rizq is from Allah. Allah provides for us. So we shouldn't fear losing our job, etc. when we are working towards Islam for a fard. We, sh- we can't say we don't have time to worship Allah, fulfill our fard and learn a deen to the level it should be studied at. We will always be busy and we'll only get busier, whether it be exams or our work or our family. And whilst these are very important and even acts of worship in themselves by seeking the rizq that Allah has set for us and maintaining family relations, but still we have more responsibilities to help ourselves and the ummah as well. We have to make the time for them as well for Islam and constantly be seeking to make even more time, be even more productive, exhausting all our efforts to get closer to Allah and fulfill our duties. We really need to make our attentions to maximize our efforts for the rest of Ramadan solely for the sake of Allah. And we should really be maximizing how much Quran we are reading, how much we seek to understand the Quran, how are we going to help the Ummah show the world the solutions that the Quran provides if we don't even understand it. And our goal should, that we make now, in these last 10 days, should extend well beyond these last 10 days and inshallah carry us forward to the next year. Because obviously 10 days you might think, if, you haven't, if you've only read a quarter of the Quran, I'm not going to finish it. That's fine. Maybe say in the next 6 months, I'm going to do this much every day. And that is carrying this Ramadan spirit that is given us forward into the next few months inshallah. And the question is, if not now, in these blessed months, then when? Oh Allah, allow us to make us of the of, uh, make make the most of these last blessed days of Ramadan and accept it from us and make it beneficial beneficial for us. Oh Allah, grant us the correct understanding of our rizq, our rizq, that we cannot live our lives just uh, that we live our lives just for your sake. Oh Allah, ease the suffering of the Ummah in Syria, Burma, Kashmir, and Palestine, and everywhere around the world. Oh Allah, once you have guided us. Please do not misguide us. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama salli ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidum majid. Allahumma barak ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama salli kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidum majid. Allahumma juna min al-nar. Allahumma juna min al-nar. Allahumma juna min al-nar. ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا ذاب النار ربنا وتحملنا ما لا تقات لنا به وفعنا وغفرنا ورحمنا أنت مولانا وانصرنا على قوم الخافرين إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغ بغي عذكم لعلكم تذكرون is a bit more related to you.